the Samsung Neo QLED 8K TV featuring incredible color volume with 8K AI upscaling powered by 20 neural networks on an impossibly slim screen is the kind of TV that's so visually astounding, so unfathomably well designed, it has to be seen to be believed. Don't believe me? Well, okay then. Radio has its limits. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire Pods, search for us on iTunes or check out BlueWirePods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. In the Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to another episode of In the Know. This is going to be part one of our two-part fan mailbag. So without further ado, let me present you these questions. And uh, as always, this pod is brought to you by betonline.ag. We got a good bevy of questions this time around. And um, do you want to do the honors of, of asking the first question, or should I... Uh, should I go ahead and, and pick one for you? Um, so what do you want? Pelicans are, are NBA for, themed or, or not? Maybe we should start NBA themed and then kind of ease into the, the, the silly stuff. Sure. All right. Cause there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of good non-basketball related stuff. So it's good. What's uh, you know, I'm looking forward to. Um, let's see. So I'll ask you one because there's one draft question and you're going to know way more than, uh, th- than me on this. Um, so Devin Lockett asked, and he's got a, a few good ones. Um, but uh, the, the one basketball question he asked was, why are people not banging the drum for Okoro? Good size, great defense, only real knock is his shooting, which we've seen Vincent can improve. Um, th- thoughts, are, thoughts around that comment? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on, on that comment, and I'm going to be sharing them 
all with you guys in, I don't know, a month or so, whenever I'm done putting together all my research, I have been doing a ton of, of research related to draft picks and strategy and just um, team building strategy. And I have a ton of thoughts on what, what kind of players uh, I prefer. And, and I will be the first to admit that uh, it's possible that all my, my theories could be bullshit, but I feel pretty good about um, my thought process at the moment. And when I'm ready to share that stuff, I will. But on a Coro specifically, um, just because Fred Vincent was able to fix Lonzo's shot uh, and in Ingram's, I suppose, does not mean that is something that we should come to expect for every player. Fred Vincent has been on the staff for what three to four years now, I think. Um, maybe I'm yeah. overshooting. Solomon it, but, Hill still exists, right? <laughs> um, there have been countless players that have come through the Pelicans. For, no, he, he Fred Vincent was on the staff dating back to when Tyreek was still on there um, because he talked about Tyreek's improvement of his mm-hmm. jump shot, uh, and Fred worked with him. Um, there have been players that have improved a ton. There have been players who have just got worse, like Drew. Right. There not everyone's shot form is the same and and as correctable and not every player has the mentality to correct it so definitely credit to those who have improved uh, but Okoro his shot is really really bad and it's a serious concern and I think I don't like the idea of drafting players um, who have a limited ceiling as I see with a Coros, because I think he's going to be a standout multi-positional defender. Um, I think the idea of him playmaking a little from those wing spots is a little bit overrated because the majority of playmaking on our team is going to be coming from Lonzo or Ingram or if Drew's still on the team and, and even Zion. Um, so like, yeah, okay. It's nice that this guy can play make, but like how much is he ever going to be able to utilize it on, on this team and and not just this team, many other teams, you're probably going to have a lead guard of sorts. That's going to take away a lot of those responsibilities. So like I asked myself, like what else is a core good at? And he's, he's fine. Like he's just, he's, he's fine. And I don't know if you draft a player that is fine as like top five. Um, like I hated the idea of drafting DeAndre Hunter, the way, um, the Hawks did at four. I think that was a terrible decision uh, because what DeAndre's Hunter stealing it to me is just being a fine player. And I was one of Hunter's like biggest fans going into the draft, but like as the fourth overall pick, I don't know. I've also like changed a lot of my draft philosophies um, over the past month or so. So like what I may have thought in the past definitely does not apply now. Um, Cause like, I mean, even like a few months ago, I was like, why isn't Sadiq Bay a top 10 player? Uh, because I was like, this guy is, and then like, there's an NBA player in that guy. Um, he's a good size wing. He can shoot. He was going to have a role in having, I, you can't say that about every player in this, this specific draft. Like you can't say for certainly like, yeah, man, I, I feel confident this guy's going to make it in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if I, if I have that as a baseline, then yeah, like, I should be a top 10 pick in this draft. And um, I don't think like that anymore. I don't think Sadiq Bey should be a top 10 pick in this draft. I'm not a fan of taking 
I mean, I don't think Okoro would be a single, but I'm not a fan of taking the proverbial single um, in in the draft, especially if you have a top pick. And Okoro probably would be, in my eyes, a double. Uh, here, here's, and without going too far into my explanation, mm-hmm. um, I kind of asked this on Twitter already. Would you rather be in a situation where you draft a guy and – uh, let's say let's say it's like a top 10 pick and so like let's say for, and specifically in this draft let's say you look you draft lamello ball and everyone knows like lamello like forget forget lamello ball because the lonzo fans are gonna the ball fans are gonna get angry at me let's say you draft anthony edwards who you know people have been saying like yeah like that's a consensus number one pick or yep. whatever but let's, let's say for whatever reason he drops to you at, at five or uh or let's say you like you jump to the top four and that's where he drops to you and you have the ability to draft anthony edwards right High upside player. Um, people talked about him being the potential number one pick. He's been uh, he has the, the the pedigree that everyone's been talking about, right? You have the option to draft him, or you have the option to draft um, uh, Okoro. And uh, you draft you draft Anthony Edwards. Would you be in a situation where you drafted Anthony Edwards, and in two years you find out, man, this guy's just not going to make it in the league, and you move on from him? Um, or would you draft Okoro? And, you know, for the first three years of his career, he doesn't really give you much. And the fourth year, you're like, yeah, man, this guy's a pretty solid player. And then by the fourth year, you have to pay him $25 million. But you didn't get much value out of him those first three years or those yeah. four years. But you're stuck with a predicament of, dang, I got to pay this guy $25 million. You already have um, Ingram on a max. You have Lonzo and whatever deal he's going to get next, which is probably going to be 20 mil plus. Zion by, is going to be maxed by the time Okoro would be ready for a max would you draft Okoro knowing that? So just Okoro or, uh, or Anthony Edwards, like knowing that Edwards doesn't pan out. Is that what you're saying? Would you be in a situation? Like if you fast forward two years from now, like mm-hmm. you, you're, you're at the draft and you have two alternative realities, reality one where you drafted Edwards reality mm-hmm. two, where you drafted Okoro and you fast forward two years from now, both realities and, and in reality, number one, where you drafted Edwards, you're like, shit, this guy is not who I thought he would be. But you drafted him on the same upside and the same, you know, idea of like this guy, this guy, like if he pans out, he's like a surefire, like lead guard. And, you know, he's, he's an all-star. There's an all-star in there. Um, or you draft a Coro knowing like, okay, like his ceiling is like, you know, maybe Otto Porter. Um, there's a lot of layers to this question. Um, and I, and so the comment around, uh, the comment around, uh, the, 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 how much you have to pay him alongside Zion's max and all that, I think is fair. And, and so like, if you're, if you're concerned to get about the tax, um, then that that's real. At the same time, if you, if you're bought into already having, if you feel like you really do have two legitimate bona fide stars in Zion and, um, Zion and Ingram, um, you, maybe you can live with that a little bit more, but I think just practically speaking and based where the, on where the Pelicans just history. And I mean, there's, there's a little bit of a small market bias here on, on my part, but I, I think I'm preferring slightly the Anthony Edwards path. Cause at least then you have like, you, you've, you know, you've cut bait you, cause there's, there's a time investment out, uh, concept here too, around like, how much time you're willing to invest in somebody and their development at the expense of others. And, and I think even our last podcast, you and I talked about this a little bit and all the young players, Pelicans happen. Like I, I, so I, I, I'm not super passionate about either argument, but I lean towards the Edwards Edwards side. Um, But I could also make, I feel like I could make a pretty good case for 
um, for, for the other, other side of this argument, if you feel like he's going to be a good complimentary piece. Um, it just depends on how really how under or how overpaid his, he would be considered on that next contract. It sounds like you're and the reality you're suggesting is that like, he is probably, he's, he's probably overpaid on, on that second deal. Yeah, the, the, like I think, like historically, I'm suggesting that guy is going is not going to be the difference between you and a title contender, and therefore not going to be worth the price tag that they're likely going to command. And so, like, okay, like if they get good enough to command that price tag, then you're like, okay, well, maybe it's a good problem to have because they got good and we have options. All right, fine, I see it line of thinking. But then, like, mm-hmm. that's like best case scenario, right? They get good enough and they command that price tag, and you're like, okay. Um, we're in a little bit of a bind here financially, but we, we have to do it because there's no other option. Yeah. Or, but you know, if if they hit reality number, like if they hit a reality where they're they're hitting their median outcome, right, and they're not commanding uh, a max contract or whatever, then you just wasted three years on a guy who was probably giving you nothing on average. Like I, historically speaking, you're not going to get much from um, a young player unless they're a top top pick. Um, for the first three years of their their rookie deal, and you base it three years on that one year of maybe the getting social level production, and then his ceiling ends up being significantly le- significantly less, where you don't have to pay him. Then, like, why do I want that guy? Like, why why would I consider him as a part of my core anyway? Like, why would I be happy with that draft pick? Yeah, but I mean, like, also, even it's if different. Like, I'd be happy yeah. with that draft pick at draft thirty not at at 12 and certainly not at five, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's certainly fair, but I mean, like you're also comparing it to just one other option and the other option is, is, is taking the high upside guy who just didn't pan out. And so like, you know, that's why, I mean, I think in the whole universe of outcomes, I don't think you prefer the, what the scenario you just described, but if it's that versus Anthony Edwards having him for two years and realizing he's not, he's not the guy you wanted him to be. You know, like I think there's a case for it. I just don't. I it, it's either way. It's a tough. It's a tough sell for me. Yeah, and then this is like obviously like just scratching the surface of the discussion, and it's very. It's definitely like a very forced construct, and doesn't encompass all the possible options that you would have on the table and on, on both of those scenarios. Um, because like, uh, my my option would be like, okay, well, like how early can I trade one of those guys? And and what do I get back from him? And I think that changes the equation, but I don't want to get too bogged down in the weeds in that. But uh-huh. that's, basically this whole thing is a long-winded way of me saying is that I don't think Okoro has star-level upside. And so, like, I would bang the drum on a star-level upside guy. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, and then that's fine. At at 12, I, 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 I wouldn't be terribly upset with Okoro. Um, I just don't think the idea of like value that people think they're going to get from a player like that uh, is going to be actualized. I think there's a very little chance of that happening. Is Um, it? Yeah. Is there a guy? And if you don't want to answer this because you want to wait for what, for whatever's coming out, then you can totally pass on this question. But is there a, a guy you would take at that pick that you, that you see, Star level upside, but also a high, like a, 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 the high, high enough of a bust probability to, to, for him to drop that far. Cause obviously, if there's a guy with just star level upside and you're not that worried about his downside, he's not going to be a 12th pick. He's going to be like a top five pick. But um, is, is there a guy who you think is super high risk that, that really you could see being 
a star like like Giannis. Yeah, is a yeah, yeah. The one that fits that example to the T is Alexej Pokushevi. I'm probably murdering the pronunciation uh, of his of his name, but uh, I'm going to just shorten it to Poku. Um, he is a seven foot uh, player. I believe he is Serbian. Um, he plays in one of the Greek B leagues. It's a very um, bad league, uh, as in, in terms of quality of opponent. But he's a seven foot uh, basketball player who handles the ball like a guard um, and moves like a guard. I'm, I'm talking like I'm not. It's not Jokic handling the ball or Blake Griffin handling the ball that looks good for a big. But like you know, this guy is like running pick and rolls, like high high screen pick and rolls. Has excellent vision. Um, is is seeing things develop like three steps ahead is um, and being a seven footer he has uh, he obviously has the length and he has a, like a pretty decent like block rate and he generates turnovers uh, for for the opposing team and like okay well how much of that is him playing in a bad league I don't know but he's only 18 years old so at the same time like yeah he might be in a bad league but he's also himself very young um, so the upside of a player like that, oh, and, and yeah, he can shoot it. So like a seven foot unicorn that can handle the ball, run the pick and roll pass, uh, shoot and block shots, right? That, that is if, if like three of four, like of, of five of those things hit, then you're like, you have yourself like an amazing complimentary piece. Um, to I'm going to start calling you Fletcher now. You realize that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. Okay, <laughs> I get it. Um, but you know, the high bus probability is, um, this guy is like a toothpick right now. Uh, so like, okay, well, can he put on weight? How does he look playing against actual competition that, that isn't the, the Greek B league. Um, and it's like, well, you know, like everything I, I hate, I hate doing same race comparisons. Um, I should probably think of a better comparison. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to make the same race comparison because I feel like it's disingenuous. But like, it's it's you sometimes okay. Well, yeah, I'll I'll make a cross race comparison. Like you know, like you draft Marquise Chris with the idea of like, okay, well, this guy had you know like handles for a big and he was athletic and he could do all these things. And then he got to the league and he was a little bit of a head case and couldn't really do anything more than dunk. Um, you just like didn't you just didn't translate. And so, okay. like, I think uh, Poku has a high bust probability, uh, but he, his, the reward of him panning out just is astronomical compared to, um, like, a Sadiq Bey at, at yeah. 12. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's certainly – I'm just looking at a couple of mocks, and I see one where he's mocked 28 to the, to the Raptors. And so it's definitely uh, – I think he's mocked, cons- like, between, like, 18 to 30 consistently. But, yeah. I don't think I've seen him higher than, like, 18. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Good, good name. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, should we move on? Something else? Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Uh, All right. Let's you're move. up. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. 
Bet Online, your online wagering solution. I'm up. Okay, so we we just spent a lot of time talking about basketball. So we'll here's one from Remy McSwain. Celebrity cut crush. Your three Mount Rushmores, with the fourth being someone unexpected. What does that even mean? Someone unexpected. And I said, if y'all don't want to do it, McNamara will. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I, I I must have missed this one looking through it. Uh, I didn't see it, and this is a. Uh... Uh man, uh, I'm trying. Like Mount Rushmore is just like what? Like, because I've heard this question is like the three the people you want to like have a meal with. Um, but like, what's Mount Rushmore like here? Like, Mount Rushmore crushes. I don't know. Oh, I thought I, I thought that was it was a separate question. It's a cele- celebrity crushes, man. Uh. Man. Is is your fiance in the room? Should we move on? <laughs> no, no, that's not it. I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't, I don't know my answer. Um, I wish I had seen this and had time to think about it. Um, I are you asking because you have a quick answer, or is this? Is no, something? I don't. I don't. Okay. Have a quick <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um. I. I'm not to come back to this one because I. I mean, I don't want to. I feel like this this deserves a a committed and, and and if I don't have the answer instantly, it's something I need to think a lot about because that's a that's a tough one. All right, Mason. You know what? You put that. We'll parking lot that. We'll parking lot this, and we will move on to to a different non basketball question uh, because this was um, a flop uh, <laughs> from past pass run. If you went back to the medieval times, the fully uh, I love this one yes. iPhone. <laughs> do you think you could conquer the world? And then he further goes on to clarify, um, you would, you would not be able to communicate with anyone, but you would have access to the internet GPS, the internet again, including access to all of the world's events up until now and access to how things were made, where they were found and cat videos. <laughs> So, I mean, my, my quick answer to this is you're going to get, you're going to get killed. Like you're, you're a wizard that has this invention from the future and it's your crystal ball, bro. Yeah. You're an Oracle. You're still going to like, you're going to get, Oh yeah. You're going to get killed. I'm just saying it's it's more than an invention. It's an Oracle. Like you're, you are the Oracle. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you'll be overthrown. And so, and you'll get, you'll get your, you'll get it stolen from you. Like I I'm, I'm, so like, so the original question is what? Could you conquer the world? No, you, you would, you would get Julius Caesar before, you know, before that happened. I think it depends on where, so like if you were, if this was medieval times and you were actually like in, in like Britain uh, where they had knights and shit, um, yes, you would get killed and branded a heretic or a witch because <laughs> this is anti-Christian and you are some false magical God or whatever it is you would get, yes, you would easily get killed. You would, you'd have no chance there. But, like, you know, if you were somewhere outside the confines of Christianity, um, your best bet would be to start a religion. And, <laughs> and so Go full Scientology. <laughs> I'm just saying your best bet would be to, to deify yourself or not yourself. You are the median. You're, you're the oracle. You're the prophet of whatever deity. 
and and you know it could be it could be an existing religion where you um choose to become the next prophet of like i think that could that could play well in some some areas of the world or it could just be a completely new one i don't know um but i think that is your best bet and then once it is the will of god and not your own will um people would be much more amenable to that and you'd be able to get a following and it wouldn't I don't think it would be difficult to get such a following per se, because you could perform a few small miracles, mm-hmm. um, which would be like chemistry shit that they haven't seen yet. Or oh yeah, it'd be so easy to to do that. Yeah, for or sure. just like medicine stuff, or like whatever. Like you could yeah, you yeah. could you could do things um, that other people haven't. And and once you have done that, you could like start churches and stuff, which are actually like schools. Mm-hmm. And and in those churches, what you're doing are is your you're just teaching like all like you, you presumably have access to all of the coursework and, and research that have like has ever been done. So like you're teaching like modern day stuff, like um, obviously like modern day scientific concepts, like chemistry, physics, biology, all of that, but also like, you know, engineering and, and you're, you're, you know, you're getting your, your army of monks to like learn the material and then also like teach. And basically I think like within 20 years, um, you could probably conquer the world, but also like you could push the world into modern civilization, like fairly quickly. Um, and, and you'd skip all the hardships of like, like invent, like the old school inventions, like, you know, like when they first made the cotton gin or when they first, like, you know, Alexander Graham Bell, like first invented the telephone or, you know, the first light bulb, like you could skip all like the basic steps where people failed. You could just have all the good stuff immediately. Um, yeah, I think we're we're underselling the biggest problem here, though, is that you basically have that we have we went back to the medium with a fully functioning iPhone. I don't, I'm not sure how we're charging it. So we've got so that would be one, your first we one, order. We got one be, full charge to figure out how to charge the phone would be to invent <laughs> some sort of portable battery source. But as, <laughs> assuming I mean, like, you know, this magical iPhone has access to the Internet and, and all that, like in the, whatever, like if that's magical, then I'm assuming it has like magical power source. But if it, if it only has a, like, you know, your eight hours worth of battery, you're, you're going to be dead in two days. <laughs> yeah. You're going to catch cholera and die. <laughs> like, that's what's going to happen. But yes, the best way would be to deify yourself and, and the churches, <laughs> Start a your, religion. Your, <laughs> your God's teachings are actually science <laughs> and, and, and there's people being educated and then you just like, you could do so much. And imagine like, you know, like where the world, like we would have real flying cars by now. Yeah. We wouldn't have coronavirus. I don't know. Maybe we would. There's idiots. <laughs> or, I mean, I guess that, that there's that. And then there's also, I mean, for, then we get the we plot have of coronavirus I, I am, now. Why wouldn't we have? <laughs> yeah. Like we get the plot of I am legend too, where someone tried, thinks they created something that's great. And it turns out killing everyone it turns everyone into zombies. So who yeah, knows? who knows? There's endless possibilities, <laughs> but that is the way to survive yeah. the medieval era with the phone. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, that was good. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and I saw the other question too. I feel I, I thought we answered. I thought we talked about that already too. I don't think you're just. I don't think you're being crazy about the Rub- the Rubik's cube one. We've definitely answered that question. Because I said I'd be out in in, in very shortly. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm taking the month and not thinking twice about it. <laughs> really? I don't. I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you have if you have a month, like you might as well try. 
Yeah, I mean, but if if it's like even if you fail, it's still just a month, then yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. But if if it's really truly like you're not you're only out when you when you uh, finish it, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be risk averse and take the month and move on and, and hope okay. I just, I survive. Fair enough. Okay. Um, next basketball question. This is by uh, Soprano at Sayi. Sayi? Sayi? I don't know how to pronounce it. That's uh, Soprano. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about Zion, basically due to concerns that we're familiar with? Um, and watch the Last Dance Barkley episode. Do you think Zion will ever be good as Charles? And... Well, there's a lot of questions here. Let's just yeah, start with 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 those two first. Um, I'm. I mean, what are we talking about? With the concerns is, it, is it like injury related, like that's injury the, weight. I mean, yeah. I mean, the combination of playing style and weight. I, I get it. Like even even Hollinger mentioned it to to Will and his in the latest uh, went the the combination column they wrote for the Athletic. Um, and so, like, I mean, I don't think it's. I mean, I think people overblow it. I, I think people who don't know enough about what they're talking about will say it just because it's catchy and, and sounds smart. Um, but, I, but I, I mean, I don't, I, so it's not like I don't take that seriously at all, but I mean, I think it's, I'm not like on a scale of one to 10, I'm saying like, I'm a two, like that's, it's not something I'm, I'm not concerned about. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually like have not, and this is sacrilegious, especially since I'm living in Chicago now, but I haven't started Last Dance yet. Yeah, I, I'm not caught up on Last Dance either. I watched the first weekend, and I have not watched since. But I also, like, I'm at a one in terms of Zion worry, mostly because, like, I try not to worry about things I have zero control over. And so, like, at this point, it's entirely on the Pels and their staff, and they feel if they feel comfortable with him. And if he wants to be truly as great as he says he, he wants to be in all the talk that he talks and he recognizes the steps he needs to take to – um, to accomplish that. And part of that is being healthy and putting in the work to, to reform body mechanics and, and, and getting his body in the shape that it needs to be. Um, great. I, I think I believe he is the type of player to do that. We've not seen evidence on the otherwise. And so I don't have any reason to be particularly scared about him. I mean, like what people fear mongered about Ben Simmons and Embiid, and yes, they've had like injuries per se, but like no one really talks about, I mean, like AD was Mr. Glassman for us. Right. But like, does, and, and Pelicans fans get upset when you call him Mr. Glassman when you were, when he was with us, but then, you know, obviously now he's class cause he's gone. Um, but like in the grand scheme of things, like has that really changed um, how any of these players perform? Or like if the concern is like, is he the next Greg Oden? I'm not concerned about that. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I think I think we're on the same page there. Um, as far as if I think, do I think Zion will ever be as good as Barkley? I definitely think he has the potential to be, particularly as a scorer. I don't think he'll ever be as good of a rebounder as Barkley. Um, I think Barkley Barkley was a freak rebounder, offensive rebounder. Yeah, I think. I mean, Zion probably. I think Zion could go down as the best offensive rebounder of all time. I I think. I also think that Zion could be a better passer. And I think what's going to separate those two and what would make Zion a truly better player than Barkley is if he turns into a defensive monster that he was supposed to be billed as. I mean, yeah, I think that's, 
I, I yeah, I, I, I agree with you on all that. I, I think that it's, that's a high, that's a high ceiling. Um, you know, <laughs> Barkley was phenomenal. And so um, I think he certainly has the, uh, nothing I've seen so far suggests to me that he can't get there. Um, that's not to say it's, it's, it's the likely outcome, but it's, it's certainly more than, more than possible. Um, the, uh, we, we've, the other stuff in, the, in this question, I think is, um, we, we talked about TV shows off the start. I don't know if we need to talk, talk, I don't know if we want to hit on that, but, uh, and I feel like we've talked about the BI max worthy, uh, like he's going to get it, but is he worth it? I feel like we talked about that too on a prior podcast, right? Yeah. We feel like we've, we've hit that topic a yeah. good bit. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, let's let's uh, let's give uh, you know for recent podcast guest Austin uh, 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 some shine on his question around favors. Um, you know, so will slash should the pales retain favors for the non-tax MLE or higher? And if not, what's the next best option? Um, the any and, and I know we we spent a little bit of time on a few podcasts just about favors in this topic specifically, but um, let's start with the first one, like will will they do you think that's that do you think it's over 50 percent chance that they keep favors is this will they retain or will they retain them at that price point retain them yes okay um and then so i mean like so what's what's your what's your expectation for the contract i guess one plus one, um, $12 million, and then team option or non-guaranteed $12 million for the next year. So 24 total possible. Yeah. And I think I, I will be very clear, I think that is like a 25 to 30% um, to maybe even 50% overpay on his, his market value. But I think they do that for, for trade salary balancing purposes. Is Will the... I can't. Is the MLE or the MLE totals based off the cap, or are they pre-negotiated? They're based off the cap, right? I think so. Because, like, I'm, I'm like, doesn't that number come down then if the cap number comes down? Like, do you still think it's twelve? Or do you the think MLEs are on ten? Is, I know. Is the benchmark you're setting slightly higher than the MLE, no matter yeah. what? No matter what the MLE is, is that what you're saying? Um, I was, but I think even if that comes down, I think twelve is a likely number. Because like yeah. if it, if it drops from ten to eight, you know, because it's gonna be like around ten. If it drops back down to like eight, um, I still anticipate his salary figure coming around twelve. Okay. Yeah. I I guess I'm more like I, I think I think the Pelicans will use the MLE as like a like negotiating tool, and like I agree with you. I think it's I think it's an overview based on the market dynamics. Um, but I still, I do put it at over 50%, not like drastically over 50%, but I think it's, you know, I think it's more likely than not. He comes back. Um, and then, uh, do you have a favorite secondary option if we're thinking like non-tax MLE level? Well, the non-tax, like, like or, I, or, I agree or with lower, Austin. Or lower. Yeah. I agree with Austin that, um, that favors on the open market would, would fetch the non-tax MLE, uh, at, and maybe even the tax MLE because the teams that are are going to like truly need him are probably going to be like contenders and they're probably going to be near the tax or they're not going to want to hard cap themselves. And in fact, um, 
yeah, they're not they weren't they're not going to want to hard cap themselves. So it's it's possible that uh, the market is between like five to eight million on favors. Um, but mm-hmm. I'd be fine paying him the the non tax MLE. It's just that I do not want more than two years. Period. Yep. And yeah. I'm I would happily pay him that extra bump to push into that twelve mil territory if I could make that second year an option. Yep. Um, but the other options, uh, he, the ones he listed, Baines, um, Surge, and Plumlee. I would love Baines and Surge. Plumlee, mm-hmm. like if he is biannual level bunny, yeah, I would take him over favors. Um, yeah, and, the defense and is definitely not going to be the same. But I And you suffer enough dealing with one Mason who needs another, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll get him on the podcast. The Mason and Mason. <laughs> And, we'll, and one day I'm just going to open up and be like, yes, yeah, I'm joined by my friend Mason. And then it's just going to be plumbly and it's not going to be. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh. Our, and we'll get Landry Shamit since everyone calls you Shamit. Yes. And just give those two a podcast and then we won't do it. <laughs> Landry Shamit and Mason Plumley. Oh, I love it. What a great idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would, I like, uh, I like Jakob Pertle. Uh, a lot. I have no clue what he's going to get because he's a young player. I think I haven't checked his his contract yeah. option status, but I feel like he's going to enter. Ha- Hollinger yeah. dropped his name and Henson. You, you mentioned both of them earlier on the podcast. He dropped both of those as two under the radar guys um, for free agency this summer. So I mean, I think uh, yeah, I think I think both make make some sense as far as role player role playing big men or centers. Well, yeah, like I would I would happily give Henson the min um, with the expectation. How, how generous of you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so so benevolent here. Um, but like, yeah, I, I brought, I'd much rather have a guy like Henson on the team than than Ja. But yeah, I, I honestly like. I think Austin hit the the candidates on the head, but with Baines, Ibaka, and the Purtle was the one that I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. I like Purtle. Do you have any ones? Um. Yeah, I mean, like you, you, you named your Fletcher guy already. So I mean, I think I think Baines would be would be great, and I, like I think he does. Um, I think he does more that helps your team or helps the Pelicans specifically than Favors uh, on the floor. I'm not. I don't know if that you know, you know, I can't speak for Favors' veteran locker room presence versus Baines, um, and I don't want to undersell that point given how young the Pelicans are. Um, but uh, I, I like that. I, I don't. I, I don't really – I'm very curious what Ibaka's price tag will be. Like, for the money, I absolutely 100 times out of 100 take him over favors. But, like I, – I feel like the only, like, real solution with Ibaka that doesn't bring him back to Toronto is a sign-and-trade. Yeah, I think that's fair. I feel like some team is going to be like, well, you want him, we will give up this small asset for him. Please allow us to pay him $15 million or whatever the hell. And I would love, I would love an Ibaka signing trade. I'd, yeah. I'd send a small asset for him. Yeah, do exactly the same thing we did with uh, Favors last year, or something like that. Yeah. Well, he had an option, and he was trading yeah. to Cavs. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't signing trade. Effectively, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is it for part one. So, thank you for listening, and stay tuned this week for part two.
Hello everyone, my name is Colin Kelly and I have one question for you. Do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021? Then be sure to check out Rotoviz Overtime and all the other Rotoviz podcasts with new shows dropping every day on Blue Wire. We've got you covered for all things fantasy football. Subscribe to Rotoviz Overtime today.